Hey, everybody, welcome to the Struggling Hunters, where we're working hard on getting through these uh, public hunts and bringing them to you over our podcast, talking about our successes, our struggles, and anything else in between. I'm Eric. I'm Joe. And we are the Struggling Hunters. <laughs> there's a little there's a little lag in the internet connection there. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, tonight we got kind of we got an exciting uh, podcast. We're gonna go over uh, ten habits of unsuccessful hunt uh, elk hunters. Uh, it's an article that we f- that Joe found actually on on uh, Realtree.com, and uh, we thought it was kind of exciting to maybe go through it and and kind of talk about our 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 whether we do it the same what what those titles are if we do the same thing or if we're if we're better than that or if we're kind of right in line with that and go through the podcast that way so joe you want to kick it off yeah trying to give yeah trying to give us a maybe almost like a grading system on how we're doing (laughs) compared you know to what this this article says so the first one is uh, failing to e-scout and, you know, talking about trying to uh, to learn your area the best you can before you get out there and, uh, and hunt. Because, you know, what, if you can't spend a lot of time out there personally with boots on the ground doing scouting, you know, you, and you want to learn the area and, uh, you know, next to that, next to being out there on the ground, pounding the ground is uh checking your old internet maps whatever you know google earth onyx there's a few other things out there i think now that you can do but uh yeah so you want to you know learn your area so let's see uh e-scouting i try to e-scout do i know my area all that great yeah you know e-scouting does help me uh, but you know, I probably could do a little bit better actually trying to locate, uh, feeding areas maybe, or, you know, like, I think I get in there and look and try to understand the area, but I, I don't know that I tried to use it more for, you know, like, oh, this is, you know, this would be a good area where, where elk would be because of this. It's more like, oh, this looks elky to me, but Anyways, what about you, Eric? How about how's your e-scouting skills or uh, <laughs> habits, or is it something you do more need to work on, do better at? Yeah, I definitely need to work on it. Uh, I mean, I kind of I'll e-scout and then I'll, I'll kind of do the same thing, like oh, this looks like a good spot, but and then that's about you know I'll uh, I'll pinpoint it. And then a couple of years ago, actually, whenever the first time that you came over to Colorado to hunt with me, I was trying to e-scout it and everything. And I wish I would have paid a little more attention because, because it, uh, I mean, where we were didn't get too rough, but we kind of went to a dead end sort of, because it was just straight cliff down, you know, and, and um, I feel like that was a failure on e-scouting. So whenever it comes to e-scouting, I need to work on it a little more. I think I kind of rushed the process. Uh you know, it, it kind of looks good on overhead and that's about all I focus on and just pretty much 
you know, go in and try to blow it up. Um, and I don't know. I, I definitely think that I, I need to put more time into e-scouting. Um, I think it's pretty crucial for a couple things though, is, is, I mean, the technologies that we have to e-scout is awesome. I mean, we didn't have that when we were younger, you know, we had to actually look at a real map, try to figure it out. Uh, but the, the, (laughs) but the great thing about that is you don't go in there and blow up the area before you hunt it. True. And you know, I mean, hopefully kind of keep that area open to, for some good hunting if you're e-scouting enough. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely something I need to work on. I mean, I jump on my Onyx and look at my area uh, here and there, but I could definitely uh, – the one thing that I need to probably get better at is actually uh, using Google Google Earth to compare and contrast. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of where it is, is I need to work on it a little bit better. And that's probably uh, some of my struggles the last couple of years of – of um eating tag soup that's so kind of go ahead on a scale of like we'll do it like on one to five one being uh needs improvement five being you know you you're 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 the uh guru of e-scouting <laughs> what would you score yourself i'll probably say two and a half pretty average on e-scouting <laughs> but not as good as is most and not as bad as some what about you yeah you know i'd, I'd probably give myself a three <laughs> i just gotta do better than you um, <laughs> no like you know like i got i feel like you know like i do a lot of of looking on e-scouting you know or on maps and trying to understand the area i think i my my struggle with it is, is I haven't, um, like I said, you know, looked for areas where elk might, you know, or where elk or, or the quarry might be, you know, I think I just more like, oh, that looks like where it should be. You know, I, I don't take the time to, or haven't taken the time to actually try to understand the area enough to think like, okay, they would be here because of this, but. Yeah, I definitely fall short in that area too. I mean, I, I, I kind of, I, I feel like over time probably get a little better at it, kind of understanding that. True. Um, but yeah, as of right now, I'm pretty bad about that too. I mean, obviously making a podcast about this, like kind of makes me want to e-scout better. So I'll probably jump on that this week after, after this podcast, I'll be on it. But uh, yeah, as <laughs> of, but before this podcast, yeah, I've been pretty bad with my e-scouting. Is that about all you got for e-scouting? Yeah. All right. So let's go to uh, the second one, going out too late. Do you think that you are going out too late? Well, I think – kind of like I you know like I sit here and think about it going out too late leaving the leaving camp too late I feel I ah, like no yes and no like you know at times I might fall under yeah maybe getting out too late because I'm maybe getting to the spot where the elk have just left possibly 
you know, I've never, you know, never gotten into them and then like been able to follow them. It's more been like me maybe trying to catch up to them, you know, like, so I think, yeah, I'd probably fail more on the, you know, not getting out early enough. Yes, I probably do get out. Maybe I feel like I'm not getting out late because I'm, you know, leaving the leaving camp early. But yeah, I, I could, you know, is it why I'm failing all the time? <laughs> Can't really say. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like it kind of depends on the time of year a little bit because um, like early in the season during during uh, the the rut uh, you know whenever you're trying to bugle they they kind of stop whenever they stop bugling kind of during daybreak and uh, so you kind of want to get out what I'm trying to say is you want to get out early almost like a little bit like a half hour before before light to start bugling, to be in your spot, to start bugling, to try to get some activity going. But I feel like saying so, that though, go ahead. Oh, you go ahead and finish. And I'll, I'll bring. Well, I was going to say up. like, there, there's so many variables to that though, because I mean, I've had in the little bit of experience I've had bugling, like I've had elk bugle at weird times, not so much in the middle of the day, but, I mean, I've had them bugle well into daylight hours, and so I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of a catch twenty two there, but but um, I think like like during during October and November, the later hunts, I feel like you can get away with it a little bit more to get out a little later. But it doesn't get dark or it doesn't get light until so much later, so it's kind of pointless to not get out there early because. You know, it'd be like right. seven, seven thirty. Yeah. Right. When they're still they're moving somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um I don't know. I, I, I But what I, I was gonna say Go ahead. <laughs> but was uh, sorry. I remember that guy that we bumped into during my hunt and he was all we kind of were talking elk hunting with him. And he's like, oh, it's so hot right now that, you know, out in Colorado, he happened to be from Colorado. I can't remember where, but now where I hunt in Colorado, we're, we're up in the, I guess they know where they bed and it's up in some like rocky fields or, you know, like a, a lead <clears throat> up against a cliff or something. I can't quite remember, but he was always, he, he was all about like we were, you know, not getting out early enough or I don't know we were done with the hunt and he is I mean, he made we, he made it seem like we we're getting like we're just leaving for the day anyways but he was like oh you got to be up there where they're going to be bed and uh, like hours before they get there he we we're leaving the camp at like three in the morning to get up in there yeah like, he's like it's hot so they're gonna, they're not going to be moving during the day so I mean yeah I, I get that but I guess I haven't been well known i've known an area well enough yet to quite understand where those area where those areas of the elk are returning to you know it's always more or less been i'm out there trying to find elk and hopefully not stumble you know i more or less stumble into them not 
understanding where they're going to and going from. Right. But. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think, I think at the end of the day, I try to always get out before light, but then it, so one of my tactics this year is not going back to camp and just out hunting all day. Uh, something that the born and raised guys say, and I think maybe a few other guys say is a lot of their elks that they've taken. I sounded funny. A lot of the elk that they have taken, um, harvested. that they've, har- well, I said elks and not elk. <laughs> so anyways, a lot of them that they've taken, they've said that like between like 11 and two in the afternoon. So with that theory, if that, if that proves true, like, I just feel like it's worth, I mean, you could almost sleep in a little bit, then go out if you wanted to. But I mean, my, my attack plan this year for my hunt that's coming up in about three weeks is which this podcast will probably drop around that time. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I think that, um, I think that, uh, I'm going to hunt all day. I'm going to try to get out before, before light and, and, uh, come back around dark. I mean, that's going to be my attack plan this year. So, uh, see how it works. And I guess if I end up getting, uh, if I end up getting an elk in the morning, then I'm going to definitely always try to get out early in the morning. If I get one in mid afternoon, then I'm going to be like, Hey, I got, I got my elk in mid afternoon. So we don't have to go out until (laughs) mid afternoon for the following year is what I'm saying. That's not a hundred percent true. I'm kind of making a joke, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I, I don't really feel like that's really my problem, I guess. Like we're kind of making a long, a long way of getting around to it is I feel like I don't really go out too late. I've, there's probably been a few times that I probably should have got out a little before light, you know, like, um, thought that the, that light wouldn't pop up till seven and it popped up at six thirty or so. I mean, that's happened to me a few times in the past, but I feel like I try to get out fairly early before, before light. That or when you're hunting during the time change and you don't take that into consideration and you use your phone as an alarm clock <laughs> or that can happen too. Oh, <laughs> uh, that'll throw you off a whole hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is that, is that, do you, do you feel like we covered uh, going out too late? Yeah. All right. Well, the next one is uh, forgetting the thermals. Um, you know, I, I think that that is, I've been trying to do better at that this year. Uh, I rem, you know, years past, I remember dropping into a bowl or, going someplace and I, you know, especially deer hunting, I'll, you know, like, oh, I want to get over there. But yet the wind would be blowing like my, my scent down in. And, you know, I know some, you know, some people take it clear to the fact of like, if the wind blowing the wrong direction at all, they are not going where they want to hunt. Their whole hunt changes because the wind's not blowing in the direction they want it to go. I've, you know, so like I've, so this year I actually tried a little bit more uh, watching what the wind was doing. And, you know, uh, 
two I had the two stocks I've had this year were almost successful because you know I did try to watch which way the wind was going and make my approach from the um, upwind side and but you know as far as the elk side of it goes this year I haven't really gotten on to elk to be able to play that game yet I was trying to think back maybe I'd do a little bit better at doing it because when I was elk hunting and having elk bugling and stuff at me I don't know that I know which way the wind was blowing. I can't remember if I checked it or not at the time. I'm, I think I yeah. did. You got too. Uh, you got too too focused on the actual bugle. Yeah. 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 I I I've been horrible about watch uh, playing the wind in my favor in the past. I mean, uh, this year, this year we got that dead wind or dead. What is it? Down dead wind. Dead down wind. Yeah. Detector, and uh, that really helped a lot. You know, it was nice to just pull that out and see where the wind was going. And it seemed like it always kind of worked, or, or for the most part, it was always kind of working in our favor, which was kind of nice. In the past, though, we'd use lighters or try to grab some. Uh, whatever you know little seeds are off the top of a the right off of a top of the grass or whatever was growing or pick up dirt or something and yeah 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 so that that uh that that's kind of a game changer that that uh dead down wind so detector so with that said like this year i'm gonna definitely keep that in um i'm gonna keep that in in uh in you know, in my book of tricks and, and, uh, definitely kind of pay more attention to that. But yeah, in the past, I've definitely not really cared about where the wind was. I was just trying to find elk and go from there and hope for the best. So, um, yeah, that's probably one reason that I've had some failures. (laughs) So, uh, let's move on to the next one. Uh, calling too much calling too much yeah i don't know (laughs) i don't know like you know this year i tried i don't i i've been i i probably fall under the category of not calling at all (laughs) or as much as i should uh last year i didn't you know like so so calling we're saying any type of uh a tool that is used to make a cow sound as far as elk or bull or calf, right? Yeah, either or. So, you know, I've had, I last year elk hunting, I think I maybe blew my cow call a couple times. And years past, you know, like when I was rifle hunting, I had a cow call, but I don't know that I've ever, that I can't, maybe I blew it once or twice during the whole season. Uh, you know, and of course that's in October, not during the rut. But this year I tried to step out of my comfort zone and call more, mm-hmm. but uh, I was trying not to, you know, walk that line of like 
you know, every t- so me not having success yet, I, <laughs> I feel like when you have success, you kind of like that, whatever happened gets like ingrained into you and you're like, Oh, that's what I got to do again. You know? And, uh, and I haven't been around anybody in the woods. That's like, okay, this is how you do it. Um, so it's, you know, people are watching videos and whatnot. Like I should probably take better notes on how often they're calling and how they're calling. But anyways, you know, me out there, I just, you know, I pick up my call, give a couple blows and I'm always thinking, do I call again? You know, do I, do I make like two blows on my call? Do I make one blow on my call? You know, or, you know, how long in between do I wait? And yeah, so I've, I've, I, I guess I err on the side of like cautious. So I, I just blow what I think is enough. And when I'm getting done in the area, I might blow a couple more times on it, but you know, because I'm like, well, I'm leaving anyways. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And so I'll just move on. Yeah. Yeah. That. I don't know. I think, uh, think I kind of would mimic the same approach. Um, for me, I mean, it doesn't really matter for me cause I'm in the later rifle hunts. I've never, I've never hunted during the actual bugle season or during the actual rut. Right. Um, in Idaho, you know, I, um, I've said it before, but you know, I'd go out and go up in the woods somewhere and bugle a little bit just for fun and, you know, try to see if I could get some elk to call back. And, uh, I used to do that for years in Idaho and haven't really done it up here in Colorado, but, uh, that was just kind of messing around, you know, it was more just see if they're out there, if they're out there, then we'll, we'll, uh, you know, we'll just call until they feel like stopping. And so I, I never really studied the whole process with calling. So, um, so yeah, I don't really have a whole lot of input if I do too much or not enough. But uh I think I'd definitely mimic what you do. So Yeah. So then the next one is uh not calling enough. I feel like we kind of covered So I guess it, there's though. that Well, right. Yeah. I was just going to say that like there's that like I don't know like you know that now that you know the next one not calling enough and thinking back and watching all the youtube videos that I, you know that i've watched and everyone's always saying that you gotta call enough to especially during the rut that you keep that bull interested and you know but yeah you don't want to over call it <laughs> yeah yeah that but, one's that yeah, one's kind, that's of, kind of all I got on that one. yeah that one's kind of a kind of a tough one all right, this this next one though I think would be uh I mean I'm gonna leave that that last one where it is because I feel like we kind of covered it already. Yeah. Um but the next one is uh being too cautious out there in the woods. I think with that being said, we gotta remember that this article is covering elk hunting. So you know, so as far as elk hunting goes, it's different than uh, deer hunting. So we'll talk as if, as again, I would continue on, 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 on elk hunting. Uh, being too cautious, I probably fall under that category of being too cautious. Yeah. Um, just because, again, I have, you know, 
as far as hunting in the woods, your elk hunting goes, you know, you're the only one that I've been out elk hunting with. I had one a coworker a couple of years back that I'd go out with, but like he took me up, showed me where he elk hunted, but like we never hunted together. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how, you know, he's been successful, but I can't say like how great, good of a hunter he was. But what I'm getting at is, is I've all, I kind of elk hunted as I've deer hunted. And I think, so I'd, you know, deer hunting, I'd always be a little bit on the cautious side, being quiet as I can. And I think, you know, you, we're, you got to kind of understand maybe the situation you're in, you know, elk are a bigger animal. Uh, they travel in herds, you know, and so they're going to make more noise where, you know, deer is smaller, doesn't weigh as much, so it's not going to make as much noise. So I guess what I'm getting at is elk are used to hearing noise, hearing twigs break. And this year out out hunting, I heard an elk bugle. Even before then, though, I heard like, you know, it was across the canyon from me, way further than I can even get to before the sun went down. But I heard like, you know, something running through the woods. It was you know, like, I was like, holy cow, there's something going through the woods. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and as, and then it, a few minutes later, I heard an elk bugle and I saw an elk up over on the ridge away from me. So, you know, like elk make noise. So I think they're, then thinking back of another elk hunting situation, I was popping through these kind of these little men, uh, meadows you know, of a uh, young, young growth. And I was being quiet, but I wasn't watching far enough ahead of me. But I don't know if I would have been, you know, we, me and this bull elk saw each other at the same time. And I wasn't watching far enough ahead. But, you know, in that situation, I, if I would have been quieter, I probably would have gotten this elk because, you know, I would have been able to sneak. But, this goes back. I don't know which way the wind was even going. So he might've smelled me before. Like I even saw him. Right. But, but, you know, I will say I, I, I am a bit on the cost. I've been on the cautious side. How about <laughs> after my stories? How about you, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I can, I can relate to, to what you're saying. Cause I've, I've uh, definitely, all the years of focusing on deer hunting, I've definitely, uh, you know, just kind of creeped around in the woods and, and, uh, just, yeah, I mean, just stayed, just stayed there, you know, creeping around in the woods, not really pushing anything, trying to be as quiet as I can. And, and, uh, with elk hunting, it's just completely different. Like you said, I mean, you got to make a little bit of noise, got to kind of bust, bust through the brush. And, um, you know, those, those elk, they'll be on the next ridge you know, if you happen to jump an elk, they'll be on the next ridge. You just kind of told the story that basically explained that they'll be on the next ridge before you know it. And if you were trying to track them down, you'll never, you'll never, ever catch up to them. If, uh, if you're being cautious through the woods. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I think that there's different techniques that you could take. I mean, if you kind of know where elk are and you're wanting to, you know, put a stock on them and, you know, right. maybe you don't want to bust through the brush. You want to be a little more stealthy and, and, uh, you know, it just kind of depends on what situation you're in, but 
when you're elk hunting, just don't worry so much about trying to not break a twig. Just, just, you know, get to where you're trying to go or, or right. you know, keep pushing them and, and try to run into <clears> them <throat> that way. Cause they will expect, they are expecting you to, um, or they're expecting noise if you're an elk. So, I mean, they're not going to be too frightened, but I don't know. I, I feel like if there's a lot of pressure though, they're probably a little more jumpy. True. And, uh, so every little noise, you know, they probably take a little more consideration of what that could be. So, right. But that's about, is that being, is that being too cautious? Thinking about if they're too jumpy. Yeah. (laughs) I guess so. I guess so. I, I feel like kind of breaking this, uh, breaking this down. Like there's a couple of things that it's like, well, it, it just depends on the situation. I think like in early, in some of the earlier topics, um, like going out too late or, I mean, there's just, there's, there's so many variables to it all that, uh, I mean, it just, there's variables to everything, you know I mean? you you know everybody's trying to do the right thing and go out early in the morning but then people are you know taking animals at two o'clock in the afternoon so i mean there's just too many variables to all this so i don't think none of this is really set in stone but it but it probably will help you it probably will help you um you know a uh, lot, gain, be more successful and i was gonna think to gain the skills necessary to become successful or to put you in the opportunity to, you know, be, you know, to get, it gives you the proper habits to put yourself in a situation to get successful, to become successful. Yep. <clears throat> so we'll move along. Uh, the next one is rushing your shots. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll start with this one real quick. I mean, it'll kind of be short. Um, as far as elk, I really haven't had a chance to get a shot off at an elk. So, so um, you're not rushing your shot then. So I'm not, I'm, I've definitely taken my time. (laughs) Definitely, (laughs) definitely taking my time on the shot. (laughs) Um, but, uh, the years of deer hunting though, I definitely have rushed my shots, uh, learning that process. I would say, I would say, uh, actually I've probably been more guilty of being too cautious of my shot. If that makes sense. Uh, a couple, a couple times of, I've just, I, I've told the stories on here before, I believe, but, um, I've had a couple really nice bucks jump out. Oddly enough, like in the middle of the road and trying to do the right thing. You know, I'm like, oh, you know, but like, it's something that I still regret to this day because I could have got a nice, two nice, really, really nice bucks. And for whatever reason, they jumped out in the middle of the road. Um, I mean, I was trying to be legal, if you will, but at the same time, it's, it's one of those, like, it's one of those things that just eat at you because I feel good that I did the right thing and didn't take my shot but I, I feel bad that I also didn't take my shot because, you know, I mean, I, I'd have, I'd have a couple of nice bucks to, to brag about, but, uh, but yeah, so I've been guilty of, of kind of both of them hesitating a little too much, what, which hesitating probably was 
justifiable in those situations. Uh, but uh, I've definitely rushed my shots too and uh, totally missed. Totally blew my opportunities. So, yeah. Well, that's like I told the story. Uh, so, rushing shots, I haven't had the opportunity to, to, this year to put a shot on anything uh last year i could have shot at a at a cow but i i stood too long staring at it and it got tired and ran away so but i i i didn't anyways i that i couldn't i wouldn't have and then that when i was talking about that bold and in my story that i was going through those little meadows um it's kind of funny. I, I, I know I've talked about this on, you know, this particular hunt on the podcast before, but it's the kind of one of my only opportunities. So it's, it's going to come up again, but it's, you know, after talking about these scenarios or these, uh, these topics and rushing your shot, it, it, I, it's kind of interesting. Cause like I can place this, this shot on this, you know, I, I I had an opportunity for this elk to shoot it and it kind of falls under rushing the shot and planning the shot. And I say that, you know, like I say that because I, I knew I, or I I shouldn't say I knew as it took off running, it had a, you know, like this little group of trees it was running through and as I was looking in the direction that elk was running, I saw an opening in the trees. And so I figured, you know, I was like, well, if he's running anywhere and he's going to run through that group of trees, that's going to, or that opening, that's going to be my only shot. So with that, I, you know, I probably had like two or three or four seconds. So in that, in that, in those seconds I had to plan I could, you know, I knew that if, you know, if he ran that direction, my gun would have to already be in that tree opening. So I had, so I put my crosshairs on the side that he would have been running from. And then, so then it turned in, so it so happened, that's where this elk ran through. He ran right through this little opening that gave me, you know, a split second or so to shoot it at kind of a full run. Um. With that being said, it was a rushed shot being that it was a running elk. Like it would have been one of those, like as soon as I saw a hair in the center of my crosshair, I'd had to pull the trigger or moved with it. And I, you know, like that's, I was, I think I was going to pull the trigger as soon as it ran into my crosshairs. And uh, it's, you know, it's kind of funny because I had enough time to plan the shot but because it was a running animal, it turned into a rush shot. So like, it, you know, in a way it wasn't a rush shot, but at the same time it was a rush shot, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. But, you know, like, yeah. And like my deer I shot a couple of years back, it, you know, I had time to set down on him, but I think it, you know, like, yeah, trying to give yourself the better situation and try not to get into those rush shots. So, like, yeah, I, 
Yeah. Yeah. I can't really say, I've, you know, like I've never really had, you know, hasn't been like, Oh, there's a deer or an elk right there. I'm just going to hurry up and throw up and shoot. You know, like I haven't had that, you know, that opportunity to be, to rush myself yet either. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's kind of same for me. So Joe, what about not hunting over wallows? Uh, I can't say that I've ever come across wallows till hunting with you this last year. Like, you know, I've, I've, you know, hunted elk more or less consistently in a row for the last five years, which is crazy to think. The last two years of it have been archery. Um, but I haven't come and over, came over a wallow until with you last year, this last year, this last past hunting season. And that we were more or less deer hunting, but, you know, we did, it was an elk wallow. But, uh, and I can, you know, I I guess so you're this is kind of geared more towards hunting these some of these topics we t- were talking were that are written in this article kind of seem like they can be geared towards any hunt but this particular one hunting a wallow I think it feels like it may be more geared towards a archery hunt because you know the elk are going to come in to wallow to cool off you know and but then in the later season, they might be coming to the wallow to get water, you know. But so archery season, it's hot and to get water. Later in the season, it's mostly just a water source. Yeah. But I, you know, as far as hunting a wallow, I never really had the opportunity to hunt one. Yeah. So I don't know. I couldn't, I can't, I can't I feel like that one's not quite fair enough to, for me to, I don't know. Maybe that's what I'm doing. One of the things I'm doing wrong is, uh, you know, not finding a wallow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if it's in, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's in this one, but uh, I think I recently just heard on a podcast somewhere about wallows uh, that sometimes elk will be bedded down, like uh, not very far away from them sometimes. And during the day so if you come across one to like when you hunt it it might be in this article that i read i can't remember where i read it at but um yeah so i feel like if we miss an opportunity maybe we should whenever we spotted it instead of going up to it and checking it out and investigating we uh we should have probably we probably should have probably just um uh kind of stayed away from it and seeing if we could see anything around you know see if we could hear or see anything that's true one of another thing that kind of comes to mind too is uh with that being said is using our dead down wind detector (laughs) figuring out which way the wind's blowing and just kind of maybe you know doing a circle around it yeah and and trying to see if we can come up with anything yeah so i think we kind of made a small mistake there but I mean, I don't know. It was cool because that was the first wallow I ever seen too. So 
it was kind of cool to go up to it and and uh, investigate it and check it out and so yeah but live and learn live and learn next year if we find a wallow we'll try to we'll try to stock it see if we can get something to pop out that that thing i mean i don't know how fresh it was or you know i if i think there was something in it recently well recently when we were there because there was mud clumps that was thrown out of the area and they were still wet yeah so i guess with that being said yeah we probably should have done a circle around it yeah yeah i kind of wish we would have see if we could have popped up anything but i don't know just another mistake that we got to work on for for next year yeah you want to get the next one yeah so the next one is hunting old uh sign so meaning you come up to an area and you'd notice there's a lot of a lot of scat a lot of droppings uh you know maybe some old rubs um traveling a lot maybe some tracks but you know the tracks aren't fresh and so you maybe think you know, you found a decent spot. So that's, you kind of get hung up in that. Cause you're like, Oh, that's sign all over the place. But in reality of it, uh, being that elk or nomadic, you know, like depending on the year, you know, you probably, you might've been where they were earlier in that, in the season or earlier. And that might've been where they were during the beginning of the springtime or the beginning mid summer, you know, like, and then, Yes, they're signed there, but they've already moved out up to higher elevation or lower elevation uh, just because the time of year. So, you know, that's that's one thing that's kind of for me to keep to uh, keep in mind is, you know, yet understanding the sign that you're looking at and trying to get a understanding how old it is. So that way, you, you know, just kind of, OK, they were here. I know they're in the area, but where would they have gone from? You know, what what time what type of year is it? Is it pre-rut, post-rut, end of the rut, or what? You know, and trying to decide where where they may have moved to. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have a whole lot more to add to that. I think uh I think I've definitely probably been guilty of hunting old sign over the years. Yeah. Um, I got, you know, that being said, you know, thinking about it, like, I know it's hard to really tell like that area that we hunted last year that we kind of, we, you know, we got onto, got onto some drop, some scat. We got onto a couple of fresh droppings, not a lot and some tracks, but you know, try, I was trying to remember if we, you know, we, I think we felt like they were, they were in that area at least somewhat around the time that we were there. So I don't know, like, you know, that, that was a good looking draw that we were watching and we did hear something bust through the forest or the wood, the, the canyon on the opposite side that we were sitting on, but we never saw anything. Yeah. I kind of, I think that we, uh, I think we were, on them it was just the only downfall to that little spot was it was so thick it was just hard to see anything yeah but uh but with that said yeah i mean uh there was some there was some sign 
Um, I think uh, actually, I feel like we kind of saw a lot of scat. I mean, I, I don't know. I think I got excited about it just because it was kind of another, another, uh, we we're just kind of not really seeing a whole lot. So whenever I saw that, I was got a little excited, tried to make it a little fresher than what it probably was. I think head. that's like, that's something that like, in a way that, you know, I fall guilty of it is you want something to be so bad that you just kind of like get stuck in that rut, you know, of like, Oh, <laughs> the, the here's some elk poop. Oh, they're in the area. They must've been here. I'm going to say yesterday because there's elk poop here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But really in reality, that's been sitting there for two or three months or a week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely been guilty of it. Just wanting to make it fresh. I'll tell you, I, I don't know if um, just speaking of sign in general, the one thing, the one thing that you're strong at is you catch a lot of, a lot of sign, like whether that's tracks, uh, script, um, scrapes or, or uh, scat. It seems like you're always, whenever we're hunting together, you kind of catch a lot more than, than what I do. You, I don't know, just kind of a. Yeah. Well, I, I try to, I try to, uh, you know, pay attention to what, what's going on around me or, you know, not, I should, you know, like what, what's in what, you know, like what's out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I don't know what I look at, but for whatever reason, you seem to catch a lot more of it than I do. (laughs) (laughs) But it hasn't paid off yet. So (laughs) no, but it will though. It will. This year will, will be, uh, this year will be uh, different. Yeah. I keep saying that. I should knock on wood real quick. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Well, our last one here is uh, busted, busting through bedded areas, bedding areas. Um, I, think, I think with that, we should probably read a little bit of it. So just so that, that way, like, you know, for me, I don't know that I've ever, you know, like I kind of understand that where they were, what a bedding, what, you know, like where they would be bedded. So this says, quote, all tall, dark timber can serve as an elk bedding area. Certain stands of uh, quaking aspens are preferred to, but in September, elk prefer the coolest haunts, which are usually north facing slopes and dark timber as mentioned earlier, use caution when still hunting through such areas. So they're going to try to bed up in areas where it's north facing. So the sun's not shining directly on them. Uh, They have tall, dark timber, so it's not going to be hot. Not going to, so it's going to be cooler. Um, Temperature is going to be more pleasurable for them or as best as they can get with, you know, that much shade. Um, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to, I, I guess I should also close my quote. <laughs> um, anyways, we'll continue. <laughs> sorry. I just thought maybe we should throw that out there to uh, whoever's listening. They might, you know, understand what a bedding area is. Cause you know, I, tried to think that but i will be say i'm guilty of uh 
going through those areas and not quite thinking of them as a bedding area more as like, well, there could be elk here. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I feel like I've been more guilty of that through, um, through deer hunting. I've definitely jumped deer in the past, busting through their bedding areas, not realizing it actually just kind of walking along and all of a sudden something jumps up and just starts taking off and never, never see it or anything. But I knew I jumped it, you know, obviously. And uh, I've been definitely more guilty of that through deer, but elk not, I, I, I haven't really, I don't think I've jumped too many bedded areas for elk. If I have, I didn't know it. So. Right. Yeah. I get that cow that I came across last year. She was bedded up. I, I didn't, yeah, it was kind of kind of interesting to think back on that hunt. But I had I came across that cow and then there was like I think another elk or two bugling too in that area. A couple bulls, but you know, she was it was it was, if so if we go off this article, it was a north facing north facing slope and it was in uh some dark timber. Mm. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty much happened to you then. Yep. <laughs> and and she was bedded. <laughs> she was bedded. Well, that's uh, yeah, that pretty much concludes the ten, ten habits that uh, can make you unsuccessful for your elk hunts. So. Hopefully uh, you guys learned a little something about it. Uh, Joe, do you got anything more to add? Uh, you know, like thinking, thinking over it, I'm probably, I wouldn't say I'm super strong in these unsuccessful skills, but I'm probably, you know, not weak in these. Un, I'm probably, you know, on the stronger side than, you know, it sounds backwards because, you know, so if you're weaker in these unsuccessful skills, that means you're a better hunter, right? <laughs> yeah yeah no i'm probably strong in most of them too you know what we we kind of dropped it after uh after which one was it after the first the, one the, yeah after the e-scout we were we were we had a grading system and we dropped it right after we did the uh one to five and we didn't do it do it we didn't do it from uh e-scouts on so right but uh but anyways so yeah so i guess in closing too like yeah i you know i I know i have uh some i need some skills yet to be desired and that's been kind of kind of you know those last two years of bow hunting i've been trying to understand that a little bit better and and i you know i I, i'm kind of coming up with my weaknesses of why i i feel i you know, I think at the end of end of the seat of both our seasons, we'll both sit down and maybe write our ten reasons why we're unsuccessful and have that as a one of the podcasts. But uh, you know, I've been trying to it, soul search and understand why I haven't been successful and what and what that what those skills are for me of of as to the why. But. Uh, and trying to break, you know, I think, you know, breaking those habits is, 
harder than you realize it is because you, you know, you don't know exactly what you're doing wrong. You know, you're doing something wrong. And then it being that elk hunting is already hard. It's hard to reward yourself with the correct habits because of how kind of how harder it is to hunt them. You know what? That kind of brings me back to, uh, I I want, I want to read this little part because I mean, elk hunting is extremely hard. Matter of fact, that's kind of what, uh, what the first part of the article says. Anyways, it says elk hunting is extremely difficult. All elk hunters, uh, combined shared approximately 10% success rate. Of course, that rate is higher and lower at certain units and individual success rates vary based on hunter skills and experience. Nonetheless, it isn't uncommon to go empty handed five seasons or more in a row. So like, I don't know, 90% of people, uh, fail, you know, or yeah. yeah. 90% 90% of people fail at, at elk hunting and for I mean, five to six years in a row. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I mean, I think you just got to keep plugging away, try to find, find, uh, you know, find your spots. I mean, that's, that's the one thing, like I've been kind of hunting the same, same mountain range is, for the last few years, but with that, I've been hunting different areas of that mountain range and uh, this year I'm going to hunt another spot, hoping for some success, kind of going off of, uh, off of something that a, a guy that I know told me. And, uh, so I'm really hoping it pans out this year because of it, but, um, yeah, it could be tricky out there and only 10% of people are successful. So that's, uh, that's almost, that's worse than, that's worse than a baseball player. They're at least, they're at least 30% successful so i don't know i i just think that um you just got to keep plugging away you know it's it's one of those things that you know we're the struggling hunters for a reason and uh it's just one of those things they got to keep plugging on plugging at and and uh trying to trying to get better every year I, i really feel like sometimes like we make mistakes out there we're still trying to learn the best and most efficient way to hunt the elk we're still making mistakes, but sometimes you could do all the right things and still end up empty, you know? Yeah. And it gets really irritating though. Whenever people are like, Oh yeah, I walked right outside of camp and got my deer and you're right. like, or got my elk. You're like, really? I, <laughs> I crawled around all over the mountain. Didn't see a thing. Right. So. <laughs> It's just one of those things, man. That's the beauty of it though. That I I mean, that's really what I think everybody loves is you're trying to be a trying to get better every year. You're trying to do the best you can every year. Chances are you might not get it. You might not get successful, but you just keep plugging away. I mean, I don't I don't know. I mean, we've talked about this in past podcasts, but I don't know why I keep going back every year, but I just love it and I I can't I can't stop. <laughs> and I know I'll be successful. I mean, it's been a rough couple of years, but I know I'll be successful. 
I know it'll all happen. Just got to be at the right place at the right time. Try to do the right things. True. I think that's hunting is one of those things that has so many variables in it. That's why you can make podcasts about it. You can make all this content about it because there's too many variables. I mean, you could do all the right things and still end up short. So, or you could do all the right things and be successful. You could do all the wrong things and be successful. Right. True. So just one of those things that just got to get through. And one day the stars will align in your favor and you'll get successful. But every, every tip helps. That's the, I think that's the point of all this is this podcast tonight was just trying to go through some of our failures, whether we kind of relate with these uh, topics or not. Uh, Some of them I didn't, because like you said, you know, it seemed like it kind of pertained more to the archery hunts than it does rifle. And um, so I didn't quite align with all of them, but for the most part, um, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we just got to, they're just little tips to help us in our hunts to try to think about when we're out there and help us try to get, increase our, our percentages of being successful. True. Very true. Well, that's all I got. Well, sounds good. Let's go ahead and get out of here, Joe. And uh, thanks guys for listening to another episode of the struggling hunters. Um, We are, we're doing pretty good. Thanks for all you guys support. Thanks for, for uh, really listening to us every week. We really appreciate it. Uh, Joe, I'll let you sign off. Thanks again, guys. Uh, Happy struggles and good luck to you. We're out. Toodles.